0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening.
1: All right, so when you are asked this question, I want to know, I want you to think about it, I want your answer, who is the person that demonstrates the most faith, okay? I think of sports fans, right? Right? Got to have faith to be a sports fan. You really got to have faith to be a sports fan in Toronto. I read somewhere this week that we are the number two most disappointed fans uh, of, out of any city <laughs> in North America. And I think most specifically, and maybe most recently, most maybe it's too soon, if so, I apologize, but Toronto Maple Leaf sports fans. I mean, this is, uh, this is what <laughs> I think of when I think of a Maple Leaf Sports fan, uh, like, uh, come on, like, the, the faith that they have is so often disappointed in those big moments, right? Sorry if that's uh, striking a little too close to home, but this is, this is a really helps kind of define for me someone with faith, someone who believes in something uh, without the full requirement of evidence, right? They, they don't know their team's gonna win. In fact, statistically, the odds are against them, but they still believe right? Belief despite the full requirement of evidence. Well, today we're going to consider what faith means, but we're going to use Paul's letter to the Ephesians when he's talking about the shield of faith. We're going to use that as our reference. So this is part of our titanium series. We've been talking about different pieces of armor that Paul mentions in this letter, and we're going to just reorient ourselves by reading through this passage together, and then we'll dive into the shield. Let's read it. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the piece that comes from the good news so you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So as we look at this, this verse, what is Paul trying to tell us about faith? There's a lot more than meets the eye in these few number of words, and so we're actually going to take a minute, and we're going to dive in and see what he's talking about but let me give you just kind of a roadmap. This is where, where we're headed, okay? I think Paul is actually trying to help us see how we can have a more active understanding of faith, that we could understand the real danger of doubt, and how we can grow in our faith, okay? So that's where we're headed today. And we're gonna start with, with how we can hold up the, faith, the shield of faith. So how, we can, how do we do that? We literally hold up the shield of faith. To hold the faith, you've got to hold the faith, okay? That's something to remember today. This is starting from a point of action. You see the onus is on us and a point to be holding up the shield of faith. And all, all of the armor, this just makes sense, it's only as good as if you're wearing it. It will do no good hanging up on the rack. You've gotta put it on, you've gotta wear it. So for Paul, faith may start with belief like we talked about earlier, but it actually truly becomes faith when it moves into action. This is specifically here, even though we don't see it, because the Greek word for faith is actually uh, uh, belief and trust, but with an implication that actions based on that trust would follow. So our English definition for faith would actually be slightly different than the Greek one. The Greek one already implies that actions are going to follow. Let me, let me put it this way. I was thinking about how to, how to kind of put an, a mental image to this. Having faith in a chair that it's going to hold your weight from across the room and saying, that chair is going to hold my weight, is totally different from actually putting your weight on the chair. When you sit on the chair, that's when you are expressing faith in the chair. There's an action that is required. It's easy for anyone to stand across the room, but it's different when you're actually sitting on the chair. So. You have to take action. You've got to hold up the shield, but also it it matters what direction you're holding the shield. The shield has to be out front, okay? You know, where you aim your shield is more important than how strong you hold it. Your grip strength isn't as important as where you're aiming your shield. The greatest warrior could be facing backwards and be totally vulnerable. It's the same way for us. The most, most devout believer in something false, is like someone running fast and hard just towards a cliff. So the direction of my faith, just like the shield, is more important than the amount of my faith. I like how Jesus says it. Many of us who have been following Jesus for a while memorize this scripture because it's encouraging to us. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. We hear him say that, But I hope you can see the the connection there, that it's the emphasis he is placing is on where you're putting your faith and not how much faith that you have. Uh, My favorite example that I could think of this is our pastor, Jonathan. He was placing faith in his next step, but the direction was more important than the amount of his faith. Let's check out this video. That actually happened a few years back. Pastor Jonathan was eyes closed praying. By the way, I did check with him. He said it was totally okay if I use this clip. He's praying eyes closed. So he's taking a step of faith. He doesn't know what's in front of him, but the problem is he's taking it in the wrong direction. He's taking it off the stage. So it's really important for us to have that direction as well as the action. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So I wanna point out something here. He's got action and direction listed in this verse. So the action is following it, following the teaching and building the house. Those are his ways of capturing the action but then he also has the direction. It matters what direction your faith is towards. It's towards his teaching, towards Jesus. And that means your house is built on solid rock. So it really does matter what direction you're doing. Your, your faith is expressed. And it also matters that you're taking active steps. That it's not just something you say. It's something that you live out. But then Jesus continues after this verse and he says, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Well, it's kind of disconcerting that he would say this because he's talking about storms in life being the time when we actually see how good our faith is, (laughs) okay? So uh, it's the battle when we know if our shield is holding up. So let's talk about Let's talk about uh, those moments of battle. Let's talk about what's happening on the other side. Paul's language for that would be the fiery arrows. You can see it here. And this is you know, just interesting. This is the only time that Paul mentions the piece of armor and what it is uh, fighting against, what our enemy is bringing against our armor. It's the only time he mentions it. And he uses fiery arrows. No, but this is really interesting. He says, the shield of faith. So we know what our, our armor is representing, but what are the fiery arrows representing? It kind of just says of the devil. And we know the devil has many tactics. You know, we've, we've experienced many different ways that we feel that spiritual attack, and we've talked about it a bunch throughout this series. But faith counteracts one of the primary tactics of our mortal enemy, and that is Doubt. So that's what we're going to be uh, talking about. And you've experienced doubt. I've experienced doubt. Doubt is common. And it's important for me to to say that experiencing doubt isn't wrong. You're not a failure if you're experiencing doubt. You know, that's actually one of the the great powers of of the, the attack of doubt is that it makes us feel like we're doing something wrong or something's wrong with our faith or there's something wrong with us. But that's not true. So don't be thrown off by it. It is going to happen. Experiencing doubts are it's normal. It's a normal normal part of our faith walk. And you know, sometimes we experience doubts about ourselves, about, you know, maybe we feel like we failed God for the last time and we've used up all his forgiveness. Maybe we feel like we're not even good enough. There's not 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 that we've done stuff wrong, but we don't even have anything good in us for God to, to use or redeem. We have no, nothing that he could use that we, he would find valuable. There's also doubts about God. You could be doubting if God is truly loving, if he truly is who he says he is, or that Jesus will keep all his promises. Those are doubts about God. And those, I hope that if you've experienced some of those doubts, you realize that you're not alone. That is, that's a normal thing. But what, how we handle them is different. We see in Adam and Eve, they didn't handle it very well. It's literally the oldest trick in the book. Doubt goes right back to page three in the Bible when Adam and Eve experience doubt, seeds of doubt being sown into their minds and they choose to act on those doubts and chaos and tragedy ensues. They pay for it. So, To understand doubt a little bit better, we have to see why Paul chose fiery darts or fiery arrows to describe doubt. Why was he using that as an analogy? Okay, so let's talk about fiery darts. Here's a picture of, I forget where these were found, but these are actual super old ancient fiery darts. And you can see they're a little bit different from arrows that we would normally see. They've got a pretty large uh, arrow shaft there They've got the little pointy end here, but this section here is what would be lit on fire. And you can see it's some, some type of material and, and something that would have been like a tar or something that would, would light up on fire. And what's interesting about the construction of this arrow is it's not aerodynamic. Uh, it doesn't fly through the air really well. So it actually would be really hard to aim. And because it's lit on fire, you couldn't shoot it very hard because the the oxygen, if you shot it really hard, the oxygen would be stolen away from the flame, it would go out, it would be useless. So you'd actually have to shoot it kind of gently. That means you couldn't even be a far distance away from your target, you'd have to be kind of close. So it's not very accurate, it's not fast, it's not long range, and because it's not fast, you can't shoot it hard, it actually can't pierce good armor. So why would Paul say it's dangerous? Why would Paul say that we need to be watching out for it? Because it's on fire. The point of a fiery arrow is to light things on fire. And when there's something on fire, you have to put it out. And when you're busy putting out a fire, you are distracted. And when you're distracted, you are open to other attacks. But here's the good news. We hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Okay, at face value, that sounds good. We're we're blocking the arrow. That's really good. But it's actually more than even stopping the pathway of the arrow. It's actually quenching the fire on the arrow. This word in Greek is the same word you would use to snuff out a candle. It is specifically for putting out fire. So, taking it a step back. It's good that, that it puts out the fire, but that doesn't mean your shield can stop the archer from shooting arrows at you. Those arrows will continue to come. The problem is the fire. Just the same way, faith doesn't stop doubts from occurring. It actually quenches their potential to distract us. That's the power of faith. It allows us to stay focused on our mission. Of course, those arrows are, are designed to get us distracted and thinking about other things instead of staying focused on, on our mission. As our church, we, 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 the way we put our mission is to know God, to love people and impact our city. That's, that, that, that's where our mission is. That's what we're aiming towards. And we don't wanna be distracted from that. So we recognize doubt for what it is. It's a key tactic from our enemy and we choose not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. We can't stop him from shooting. That's not what our shield is for. And even when you quench a a fiery dart, a new one will come, maybe in a different way, in a different form, a new doubt, one that you haven't experienced before. But here's the good news. I love this. We can use it against him. How we handle our doubts can actually strengthen our faith. This is really, really cool because the doubts reveal the gaps in our faith. The areas where our faith can be tested are where he's aiming. And when he aims for those and we experience those doubts, instead of getting distracted, we can work to close the gaps in those areas. We can learn to mature our faith in those areas. The faith that I had when I was three years old kneeling beside my mom in a pew, praying for Jesus to come and rescue me from everything that I had, I had experienced to that point, that day was a bad day at home, okay? I was, <laughs> I was feeling conviction, I was responding to it, but the faith I expressed there was appropriate for that stage of my development. And as I've grown and I've experienced more of life, I've, as I've experienced more doubts, as I have experienced more of God's faithfulness in my life, I need to continue to grow my faith into those gaps, it's not the doubts that are lethal, it's the leaving the gaps in our faith that can be lethal. So we gotta walk towards those gaps and we gotta close them. One of my best friends is a bass player in the Royal Canadian Air Force Band. And he actually had to go through all boot camp because he's in the Air Force. He wasn't exempt because he's a, a bass player. He actually had to go through, I think it was three months of training open fields, little sleep, all the stuff that you hear about, it's all true. And when he told me some of the stories of what he had to go through, my respect for our armed forces just was like growing. And one of the things that I love about him, uh, I experienced on one one occasion was how much he took care of his shoes. He would buff his shoes like crazy. One time I was with him and we were just, <laughs> he was actually spent like 30 minutes buffing his shoes until you could literally see your reflection in it. It wasn't just an idiom, you could actually see your face reflected in his boots. But okay, so buffing his boots, cleaning his gun, he's not doing that just to look really good. The tactic there isn't just to intimidate the other army by looking really, really spiffy. The tactic there, to keep your gear in good repair, so when the time for battle comes, then it will function. So that, that leans us towards how we develop. How do we grow? How do we develop our faith? So, to see what Paul's talking about there, we gotta look at the shield. He says, Hold up the shield of faith. And he's, when he uses that word shield, he's thinking of something specific that we can't see necessarily in the English. But first of all, just in that time, any shield, really important, it was built in layers, different material, wood, linen, leather, and reinforced with iron. And those layers would each strengthen each other when, in the areas that they were weak. If you built it all out of wood, it wouldn't be as effective as if it had the other materials present. And it was designed... To repel different attacks or different parts of the attack. They work together. We can layer our faith too, and we can use Jesus as our model for that. We can see him layering his faith and through all throughout the, the different accounts of his life through the Gospels. He would memorize scripture and he would pray. How many times did he did he quote Scripture? I love I love how Psalm 1 verse 2 says, the light in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. You can tell that Jesus operated that way. Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus was layering up, just like the psalmist says, layering up the word of God in his heart. And Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke's account of of Jesus' life Uh, Luke 5, 16, he talks about him withdrawing regularly to pray. That's another way of layering up his faith. So if we wanna live like Jesus, if we wanna be like him, if we wanna have the faith that he expressed, then we need to actively pursue him. We need to live those daily rhythms and practices. We wanna base our life on the life of Jesus. Just like the main job of any apprentice is to imitate their master. That's our job. That's our goal. So what are some of the practices that we can be doing? What are some of the ways that we can be doing this? Well, it's really beautiful that for centuries, different people have looked through the scriptures, looked through the accounts of Jesus' life and started to to notice some patterns, some ways Jesus had practices in his life, daily rhythms that he would participate in to strengthen himself. And so we're gonna put a list of them up here and you can dive into this. There might be something that pops out on the screen for you. We've already talked about him memorizing scripture and and praying, but there's a lot of different ways that he exampled uh, ways we can grow our faith and layer our shield. So you might wanna dive into this. Our team is gonna put a link uh, in the chat room or even uh, you can find it in the the notes on our app if you wanna dive in there. But these are different ways that you can do it. I'm gonna point out just a couple. Sabbath, if you haven't started with Sabbath, I would say that's one of the best places you could start. My family has worked hard to do this because naturally I'm horrible at taking a day of rest, a day to to just set aside for God to do his work in me as opposed to me to accomplish things. And so I would encourage you to look into that. Simplicity is another beautiful one. Simplicity is you know, living with frugality and minimalism so that we can actually practice generosity as well. And you can see that they're already, they're grouped into two categories. There's a whole practice of letting go. These group of practices are kind of open-handed practices where we're able to let go of things that we wanna hold on to. Letting God have the space in those, those areas. And then the second one, practices of activity, things that we pursue, things that we do actively. And both of them take real deliberate effort. And uh, I would encourage you to look at that. in I, some of the act, active ones, one of the ones I love is community. Uh, we experience that. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later. We experience that in gathering moments like, like right now. But also celebration. I love celebration. I may, I might not be the best at celebration, but the people who are, have, have that practice in their life know how to throw parties, know how to encourage, in- Make moments of festival, moments where you are celebrating together beautifully in community and and for for Christ. But I want you to think of all these things not just like layering up your shield as shield construction, but as shield maintenance. Because if you're in battle, then your shield is going to take a beating. Our faith is never stagnant, our faith is never stable it's either growing and developing or it's unraveling. Just like my friend in the Air Force didn't wait for active duty to polish his shoes so we can prepare ourselves before the fiery arrows even start coming. How do we do that? Through layering our shield, but also by being connected. a face shield, it has to be connected. So let's go back to this, this word shield that Paul uses. It's actually the only time that this word for shield is used in the entire New Testament. This Greek word actually comes from the same root as the word door. So if you imagine the size of a, you're like basically holding a door. It was almost the size of this TV, four feet by two and a half feet if you just put it on its side and held it in front of you, that would be the size of a shield. And it would kind of curl around the, the soldier. And it was built to link shield to shield to shield with others that are holding their shield in a formation that you could call the tortoise formation. This is a picture from the movie Gladiator. And they're kind of in this tortoise formation. There's, uh, they've got their shields side by side you notice there's a little gap here, but for the most part, that has made their, their position really strong. The only weakness that, would, that they would note in the, the history text that I read was when there was a gap. When they had that gap closed, it was so hard for the enemy to find a weakness, to find a way to attack. The secret sauce of this shield is in the formation they used it in. And you notice, like this might look familiar, this is still used, it's still such a a useful tactic even uh, when police forces use it in riot riot shield formation. You notice they, they use the same type of formation. It's similar to us. If the secret sauce of the shield is in the formation with other soldiers, for us, our faith truly comes to life when it is stoked by the closeness to others who share our faith. So we have to be known by one another. It's a part of how we're wired as humans. You know the saying, uh, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. It's the same same for us in our community. We also have to belong to a community, a, a community that is part of how we live our lives. We see it in our culture, aching to be back to spectator sports. You know, I thought about this, going back to our Maple Leafs friends, the best way to be disappointed by the Maple Leafs is in person with thousands of other faith-filled and soon-to-be-disappointed fans, right? We, We long for these moments of being in these crowds. It's like our gathering moments when we're in person, where you hear the voices of others. It's like our chat room, how sometimes it's filled up with responses to moments that are happening in the gathering, and it stirs up something in us. Our faith is built side by side, but as we're side by side, I I see it kind of like a mosaic. Our shields aren't identical. They might be roughly the same size or shape, but the strengths in our shields might be a little bit different. You've gone through a very different life than I have. You might be further along than I am in terms of years. You might be further along than me in terms of your experiences of faith. And you've tried and tested God and experienced his faithfulness in areas of your life that I haven't yet. And when you're standing beside me, your areas of strength and shield can actually help me strengthen my shield too in areas that I'm weak. And you model that for me. So how do we stand together? I mentioned it already, we're here in gatherings. And when we're in gatherings, we hear testimonies from each other about what God is doing. I love baptism moments. They're probably my favorite where we get to hear what God is doing in someone's life and how they've, the turning the corner to have faith in Christ, to point their direction towards him has been life-changing for them. It strengthens my faith. Another way is serving. You know, that's why we have the love army. When we serve side by side, how, you know, how, perfect, is, how perfect is it that we call it the love army for this illustration, Right? We, we stand side by side with each other. And that's why, I don't know if you've ever done something and you're like, oh, I should put it in the, the, the Love Ar- I should report that to the Love Army. I should put that in the app. But you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if I should. I don't wanna like brag about myself or something. That's not why we do it. We don't do it so we can pat ourselves on the shoulder. We don't do it so we could have a huge number up on a screen one day and celebrate ourselves. That's not why we do it. We do it so that we can spur one another on so that your shield beside my shield, you can say, hey, I took this advance today. You can stay in step with me. Here's a way you can strengthen your shield. It's also, as we head towards physical gatherings and physical moments, our, our environments opening up physically again, you know that there's gonna be opportunities to serve. And many of you have served faithfully in those positions and it might be time for you to step back in. I encourage you to do that because it's not just about you doing a favor for the church. This is about you stepping into community, having your shield locked in with someone else's shield and experiencing that faith growth together in community. Probably the easiest examples of locking your shield with someone else's shield is happens in our groups, in our community groups. I'm really excited they're gonna be relaunching this fall again. We've got digital options for sure. And I've been with a group for five years now. And you know, you don't have to commit for life to be in a group, but I've experienced by being in that group for a number of years, we're starting to get to really know each other. We're starting to go through some things together. And it's in those moments where our faith is really strengthened by one another. I am so grateful for them and how they've stood by me in moments of my weakness and they've encouraged me and prayed for me and strengthened me. I I felt like that's always been the case for me. Anytime I found myself in some type of committed community of faith, small group of people who I'm really truly known can truly be myself, those are the places where my faith grows. Those are the places where I've experienced the most personal growth. So why do we do it then? Why would we lock shields with other people? Might seem obvious to protect ourselves. When you have that formation of shields side by side by side, then you're protected. If you step out of that line, if you step out of formation, all of a sudden your sides are exposed. Your back is exposed. Even your head is exposed. They had ways of covering, like a little unit would cover everything. You wouldn't be able to even throw something on them. So stepping out of that formation puts yourself at risk, for sure, but here's the beautiful thing and the thing that I find even more compelling. When you step out of that rank, when you step out of that formation, you actually leave a gap there. Doing your walk alone doesn't just rob you of community, it robs others of you being a part of the community. Your shield against my shield I need you in this community. I need you to be present. I need you to be fully here so that we can experience that together. And that's why we're in this moment. That's why you're here. That's why we've had moments of of comments in our chat room. That's why we have people putting prayer requests. That's why we have people celebrating what God has done because we're putting our shields together. You're already taking steps towards that. I've seen that this this last year and a half through COVID as we put our shields together in moments like this. We've seen these answers to prayer. We pray one month and then months later, you come back and you share that answer to prayer in the chat room and we celebrate with you. That's you holding up your shield next to mine. Responding to moments that happen in our gatherings and you sharing, hey, that reminds me of when God did this. That reminds me of how I've experienced God to be faithful this way that strengthens my shield. So we look to the future, not with our faith in medicine or the next generation or heroes of sport (laughs) or politicians or even unity across countries to deal with the large issues we face today. Our hope is not in them. Those would be cardboard shields. We look to the cross. We see Jesus and what he did for us. That's the place where we build our faith. That's where we're putting our aim. And as we do that shield to shield in community, we can sing songs with words like, I've seen you move the mountains and I believe you'll do it again. The mountains of doubt and worry will fall as Jesus continues to build his kingdom daily in us. Let's pray this together. God, I choose to activate my faith by holding up my shield. Remind me today of how much I can trust you. I choose to not be distracted by my doubts. Help me grow into the gaps of my faith. I choose to layer my faith through healthy daily rhythms. Teach me how I can grow closer to you. I choose to stand alongside my brothers and sisters. Help me grow in how I love and serve your church. Jesus, today I choose to hold up my shield of faith in you. Amen.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.